0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 551. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 1 Kings chapter 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. from your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with our story of Solomon, The Lord Appears to Solomon. When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and had achieved all he had desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple, which you have built, by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there." As for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command, and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, You shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. But if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you, And go off to serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them, that is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. Put a pin in what's going to happen if they don't follow God and go off and follow other gods, because... Well, I think you probably know that that's the direction this story, unfortunately, is going to go, but not just yet. But Solomon has this rare pleasure of again hearing from God and again hearing that God has consecrated the temple. That's interesting, I think, because there were thousands and thousands of sacrifices done, and there were there was a big prayer done and all of that. But it isn't that that consecrated, that made the temple holy. It was when God said it was holy that made it happen. Whether there was one sacrifice or no sacrifices or 100,000 sacrifices, that didn't make the temple holy. It's when God says it's holy that it becomes holy. When he puts his name on it and basically says his heart and his eyes will always be there. It's a place that he's going to watch extra special carefully. And then again, how many times have we repeated this? This was repeated to Moses and to Joshua and to David and to Saul, all of this promise about, if you follow me, things will go well, and if you don't, things won't. That's basically what's going on. And if we go back to the Mosaic Law, we'll see the same thing said again. And this keeps coming up as this reminder just because you built a temple, that's great, but that's not what God desires. What God desires is obedience. What God desires is faithfulness, faithfulness to him and not to a bunch of other gods. It was the first of the Ten Commandments, the most important one. Nothing has changed. It continues on, Solomon's other activities. At the end of 20 years, during which Solomon built these two buildings, the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, King Solomon gave 20 towns in Galilee to Hiram, king of Tyre, because Hiram had supplied him with all the cedar and juniper and gold he wanted. But when Hiram went from Tyre to see the towns that Solomon had given him, he was not pleased with them. What kind of towns are these you have given me, my brother? He asked, and he called them the land of Cabal a name they have to this day. Now Hiram had sent to the king 120 talents of gold. Here is the account of the forced labor King Solomon conscripted to build the Lord's temple, his own palace, the terraces, the wall of Jerusalem, and Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh king of Egypt had attacked and captured Gezer. He had set it on fire. He killed its Canaanites inhabitants and then gave it as a wedding gift to his daughter, Solomon's wife. And Solomon rebuilt Gezer. He built up lower Beth Haran, Balath, and Tadmor in the desert, within its land, as well as all his store cities and all the towns for his chariots and for his horses, whatever he desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and throughout all the territory he ruled. There were still people left from the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. These people were not Israelites. Solomon conscripted the descendants of all these people remaining in the land whom the Israelites had not exterminated to serve as slave labor as it is to this day. But Solomon did not make slaves of any of the Israelites. They were his fighting men, his government officials, his officers, his captains, and the commanders of his chariots, and charioteers. They were also the chief officials in charge of Solomon's projects, 550 officials supervising those who did the work. After Pharaoh's daughter had come up from the city of David to the palace Solomon had built for her, he constructed the terraces. Three times a year, Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings on the altar he had built for the Lord, burning incense before the Lord along with them, and so fulfilled the temple obligations. King Solomon also built ships at Azion Geber, which is near Elath in Edom, on the shore of the Red Sea. And Haram sent his men, sailors who knew the sea, to serve in the fleet with Solomon's men. They sailed to Ophir and brought back 420 talents of gold, which they delivered to Solomon. So we get more about the life of Solomon other than these big building projects. First, he gives to Hiram, king of Tyre, these towns in Galilee, which he calls, and the word that he uses is, basically sounds like good for nothing. Boy, these people in Galilee just can't catch a break. Later on, also, someone will say of Nazareth up in Galilee, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The answer to that question, as it turns out, is yes. So, Perhaps Hiram was also undervaluing the value of these towns. But in any case, he was not impressed, not impressed with these Galilean towns. And then it talks about all the things that he builds. And he builds up a number of different towns, a number of different walls, towns that he rebuilds after the Canaanites are destroyed because he gets this gift from his father-in-law, the king, the pharaoh of Egypt, this town of Gezer. And basically, he spends a lot of his time and effort Building things and building things because he 's leaving this legacy he 's building up a strong country, both in terms of the defenses of places it mentions at a couple different places there the building up of walls and things like that, and so he 's leaving for his son hopefully something that is strong and well defended and in good shape economically and kind of ready to go here, which is the job of a king you 're supposed to leave things better than you find them in fact it 's a job of a leader in general. You're supposed to leave things better than you find them. And that should be true of us as well. Whatever we touch in our lives, whether it be at work or in our family lives, our job is also to leave things better than when we find them. Talks about the slave labor that helps build some of these. Again, I find that always ironic when I read about that, how the Israelites who were slaves end up having slaves, but it is very common in the area and it is certainly preferable to being exterminated. And these people are then helping build a lot of these things, but not the Israelites. The Israelites in this case are not the slave labor. Now there's still a lot of labor, as we read before, that is conscripted but they are not slaves. They are in charge of doing the work. They are this fighting man, his charioteers and such. So he's building up an army as well. Charioteers is something that takes the resources to build the chariots as well as the skill to train somebody how to do that. That is the the cavalry or the armor of that day. And then it says he goes and he does the sacrifices every year as he's supposed to do. He does what he's supposed to do. That is really what this whole chapter is saying is Solomon does what he's supposed to do. Including, and this is interesting, he builds ships and starts sending men to sea. And that is unusual. There aren't that many times we're going to find references to the Israelites going out to sea, and this fact, this is the only one I know, but we'll see if we see other ones as we go on here, don't tend to be sailors, and that is why, in fact, they go with Hiram, who is from Tyre, from the Phoenicians, basically, or the people we were later on know as Phoenicians, who are great sailors. And they sail with the Israelites, and they go as far as Ophir, when we don't know where that is. Archaeologists have found references to it in Israel, but we don't know where that city is. And that's what's going on with Solomon. Solomon's story is actually going to wrap up here pretty quickly. We've only got two more chapters of Solomon, and unfortunately, this week or possibly next week are the high point for Solomon, and things tend to go downhill a little bit. But we'll save that for next time. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcasts. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.